it good to be in God's house, to be able to worship together with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's His breath that's in us this morning that is empowering us to be able to come and do the things that we do. Guys, we are blessed. I don't know where you are or what you're dealing with or even what you're watching in the world and listening to, what voices you're listening to, but I can say this right now. God is God is good. He is in your life. He's on the throne, but He's in your life. And He is, he is moving. He is empowering you. And he, he gives us power. When the Holy Spirit came upon us to be His witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts, we are blessed indeed. If you've got your Bible this morning, I want to invite you. We're going to take a journey. We're just going to take a journey through the story of Peter. We're going to get him from where he was called to when he walked with Jesus. There he fell in the garden and there afterwards. I want you to see it because one of the things that I hear so often, so often, this past Wednesday night we talked about how um, missions and outreach and going and serving and people say, well, God can't use me anymore because I've messed up. They say that there's nothing that I can do Because I've done too much wrong, there's no way that God can take me. I don't bring anything to the table. I'm here to tell you this morning, look, if you're a Christian, the call that God placed on your life still stands, even now. I know we life is ups and downs. Life is a roller coaster. We have have victories and we have utter defeats at times, but the beauty of of the Holy Spirit as He gets us back up all the time and He puts us right back into the game. We're not. There's none of you in this room out of the game. The call still stands that God has in your life. He is, he's not done with you. He's not finished with you. He's not completed His task in you. He still has work for you. And I want you to hear that through all the noise. I want you to hear it through all the mess up. I want you to hear it through everything that the enemy is telling about how you can't and how, listen, look at what you've done. And here's the deal. Yes, we have done. We have done. We've made some foolish mistakes. We've made some, be honest, we've, we've chose to make some foolish mistakes. But guess what? The God of this universe knows you. And he's left you here for such a time as this. And he's not finished. And the call that he placed in your life is still there. And you say, Brother Shannon, I just don't believe it. Well, I want you to look at what God did in Peter's life. Begin with me over in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5. We're going to read a lot of verses. I want you to see, I want you to see the story. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. 
When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat, and they came to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, saw that he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John's sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their nets, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Jesus. Peter was a fisherman by trade. That's what he did. He caught fish. Jesus is walking down by the Sea of Galilee. Y'all know the story. Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's where the story begins in Peter's life. We know that, that Peter throughout, he saw everything that we see, all of Jesus' ministry. Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Jesus called the twelve disciples. We know Judas betrays him in the end. But there was the inner circle. Peter, James, and John. The close three saw everything. Often Jesus would pull those three away. They saw the uh, transfiguration. They saw Jesus transform before their eyes. They saw all the miracles. He saw everything that Jesus did while he was on this earth. Peter was there. Jesus poured into Peter. Turn with me. Look over in, uh, look over in Matthew. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. We know, get toward the end of Jesus' ministry. Jesus telling the disciples, look, I'm about to leave. I've got to go. And here's the thing, guys. You say, Brother Shannon, I've messed up. Brother Shannon, who in the world am I? He was a lowly fisherman. He was a common man. He was a normal guy, just like us. He was bold in his faith. Have you ever been bold in your faith and make bold statements to God? We do it often. We, we say, Lord, I'll never. We say, Lord, I'll follow you forever. I'll never do it again. I'll never say that. I'll never think that. I'll never go there. I'll never be that way again. And guess what? We do it. And the enemy comes with everything he got. He brings it at us and we lay there at night and we, we beat ourselves up. We listen to the lie that's going on. The lie that's just attacking us as if God has taken his spirit from us. But the call of God in your life is still there. Our mess ups don't change it. Jesus, Jesus knew the rest of Peter's story when he got out on that boat. He knew the rest of Peter's story before, before he ever started his earthly ministry. Jesus knew who he was going to call. He's the sovereign God of this universe. He knew what Peter would do. He knows the next three things I'm going to read about. You know the next three things I'm going to read about. Here's the thing, we know that, and yes, it's okay for that to work in Peter's life, but my story's different. No, it's not. Your story's just your story. 
I want you to hear this. God is not finished with you. He's not finished with you. He's not done. He's still got work for you to do. He's still got things he wants you to do. He's got, he's got ministry he still wants to do through you. Yes, with all your mess-ups, with bold promises just like we find here that we've made to Christ time after time after time at altars, not just at Chapel Hill, but altars all through our life that's got us to this place. We've made statements just like what Peter's about to make to Jesus. Look over in Matthew 26, following the Lord's Supper. Look at verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But, Pete, but Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you. I will never fail. I'll never fall away. Have you ever made that type of promise? Lord, I'll never do it again. I'll never look at it again. I'll never say that again. I'll never go there. I'll never. Guys, our lives, our private lives, our prayer lives, if we look back over them, are Trickle throughout with the nevers. Lord, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to say that again. I'm not going to be that way again. And those are, the, those are the little nicks and crannies and holes and gaps that Satan comes and tries to find a way into our life and say, see there. You looked at the God of this universe and he convicted you and you said you would never. And guess what you did? Paul said, Peter says, I will never fall away from you. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you that this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And look at verse 35. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Many times have you ever said, Lord, I'm going to be bold? I've prayed for boldness many times for this room. I've prayed for boldness many times for me. Since you've known me, that's one of the things I say we need to pray for ourselves often is boldness. When we walk out those doors, we're going to stand up and we're going to be bold in the next opportunity we get. We're going to be bold and we're, going to, we're not going to shy away. We are going to stand firm and we are going to proclaim with, with truth and with power that Jesus is Lord. That's what we're going to do, right? I promise you that's what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm going to do it. I don't, I don't care if I have to die. I'm going to do it for you. I will not deny you. And notice this. A very slick, sneaky few words in Scripture. All the disciples said the same thing also. Every one of the disciples said, Jesus even if we have to die, we're going to stand up with you. I don't care what the world says. I'm going to stand up for you. Have you ever made such a statement? We all have in that moment of when the Spirit of God is moving over us and we're, we're confessing our sins and we're repenting and we're, 
we're praying out and crying out to the God of this universe. And we're saying, God, I'm going to live for you from this day on. I'm not going to go there again. I will not give in to that. I will not succumb to that. I will not let their eyes and let their stares and let their opinions sway me. I'm going to be bold for you. Turn over just a page probably. Not far. But just a page probably in Matthew 26. You read on a little further. Look at verse 69. Jesus by now has been arrested. He, they've, they've come and they've taken him away and they're abusing him. And he's gone into a trial there at Caiaphas' house. One of the most humbling places to stand is there outside of Caiaphas' house. To know that it was there that Peter outside the courtyard there did this. Verse 69, now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. Everybody look at me. What's Peter going to do? That's me. Right? Servant girl, little bitty girl, came up to Peter and said, You were one of them. You were with him, right? Yep, that's me, ready to die. What did he say? But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. You ever done that? You ever denied Jesus publicly? You say, well, I don't know if I've ever said the words, but yeah, I've denied him publicly. I had the Spirit of God moving inside of me saying, hey, now the door's swinging wide open now. Share now, invite them now, love on them now, be Christ to them now. Here's your shot, here's your opportunity to... to... Hey you, where are you going to church this weekend? Yeah, but if I do that, if you do that, they're going to call you a religious nut and they're going to call you a fanatic and they're going to make fun of you and they're not going to invite you to the party anymore. They're going to... They're gonna... And what do we do? We deny him. We deny him to not just strange slave girls. We deny him to best friends. We deny him to family. We deny him to those co-workers, to those classmates, to those close by. To those we deny him. Here's what's so sad. On Wednesday night I sit here and I say let's call out those that need Jesus. And we call out first name only of men and women, boys and girls who need a relationship with Christ. And possibly... Just possibly, we walk out those doors and get in our cars and before the next Wednesday, we see them. We pray for them and yet we see them, we work alongside them, we hang out with them, we spend time on the weekends with them. We pray for their souls. We pray that God would send somebody and put them in their path. And He sends us week after week after week after week after week. See, denial is not always, I don't know Him. Denial is oftentimes utter silence. 
Verse 71, when he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Here's another opportunity. Remember, he done said to Jesus, I will stand up. I will go far and I will die if I have to. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know him. He swore. I promise you I don't know him. Listen, I don't have nothing to do with him. I promise you. Let me say this. Why, preacher, do you pray for boldness all the time? Why do we need boldness? Because it's easy when we're together. It's easy when we're in here and we're singing praises to his name and we all pray together and we, we worship together and we have one focus. But when we go out there and we're separated and we're in our own world and we look around and, and there's no other ones that I can hang on to, it's just us. I don't even know him. We don't have to verbally say it, we can do this. A little later, a bystander came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for, e for even the way you talk gives you away. You sound like one of his. Never thought about this before, but can you imagine those that look around us? They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The worm never dies. We live in the South, I get it. We have this assumption that everybody knows Jesus, that everybody at least has a copy of the Word, that everybody was raised in a, in a Baptist church and growing up eating chicken and growing up being drugged to church. That's what we believe everybody's done. We assume that. She says, you, you even sound like one of them. The words you say sound like a follower of Christ. How many, how many people around us, just imagine, how many people around us see us go to Sunday lunch and grab hands and pray with our family? How many of them see us at work? We don't cuss, we don't tell bad jokes, we don't go out on party on the weekend, we're not getting drunk, we're not getting tore up, we're not doing all that stuff. We look like one, we act like one, why don't you ever tell us about him? Because you're supposed to get Jesus your own way. I'll just pray for you. The call in your life when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit was to be His witness. When, we, when the Holy Spirit came upon those men, Acts 1.8, and you will see power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witness both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part. That call has not been taken away from us even though we've lied, cheated, stole, even though we've messed up, even though we've denied Him, even though we talk like Him, even though we live like Him, even though we do all of that stuff just like Him and we get quiet around Him. Notice He goes so far. Then He began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, Before the rooster crowed, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Last time we see Peter, he's weeping bitterly. We don't see him through the crucifixion. We don't see him through all of that. We see him leaving the presence of, Jesus is in there, and instead of going in and fighting for him, he runs away weeping bitterly. That's where we find him. That's where the devil 
leaves people. He says, look, there's, you've messed up and God can't use you. You've messed up and you've lied. And Brother Shannon has pegged you because you've had an opportunity. You promised God that you'd be bold. You promised God that you'd never deny Him. You promised God the next time you see that person that you would, be, that you would share or at least invite or at least love or at least let them know Christ somehow and you didn't. And guys, if we left it there, we would be able to argue this morning that, yeah, God pulled his call away from Peter. God has pulled his call away from us. That the Holy Spirit is only so strong, he can only do so much. But remember that story after the next fishing trip? When Jesus looks at the men and says, hey, throw it on the right side of the boat. And they pull up 153 fish and Peter jumps out and Jesus is cooking fish there on the shore for breakfast. I remember standing there. I've stood there a couple of times now. And, and as I stand there on that shore to where they say this is probably where Jesus stood and the boat was a little ways out there and right here is where he was cooking fish. You know, he's still, breakfast is still being cooked. He's still cooking breakfast. He's still calling people to himself. He's still, he's still calling men and women, boys and girls to come. Look, I know last time we met you were weeping bitterly and you went off and you thought I judged you and you thought I condemned you. But hey, I'm still here. You're still here. I'm not done with you yet. Over in John chapter 21. Jesus there is cooking breakfast on the shore. Beginning in verse 15, the Bible says this, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? This morning I'm not going to get into the different types of uh, words that is used here in the Greek, of agape, and the different types of love and the strengths of love and the different arguments of what he's talking about. Is he, is he talking about, do you love me more than this fishing equipment? Because if you read earlier in that verse, it says, look, he looked over at the other disciples and says, I'm going fishing. We're not talking about is Jesus asking him, do you love me more than the other, the fish? Do you love me more than the disciples? The question is, and the point is that there is the God that this man had denied. This, this guy, Peter, failed Jesus. He failed him miserably. He lied to his face. He said, I will never, I'll die for you. Three times he even cursed and said, I do not know him. And this morning, I want you to hear, instead of Christ judging him, and giving up on him, and changing his plan, and saying, hey, we need to pick another one, and let's go a different direction. No, the call still stands. When God taps you, when God calls you, when God makes you his very own, he's not finished until he's finished. He chooses when he's finished. We don't sit there and say, I'm tired of serving, I've done my time. No, that's a Western mindset of retirement. That's not, you don't retire as a Christian. Peter didn't retire. He, Jesus put him to even greater work. He said, do you love me? 
More than these. And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, Tend my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Did he ask him three times because he had denied him three times? We don't know. We can assume. We can have all kinds of reasonings. We can read in the bottom of our Bible what the commentary says about why. But this morning, I just want you to hear. I want you to hear. I want you. Listen, we don't have to be a big, big church for you to hide in this room. we got big churches in our area that you could easily go to and hide. But you could be in a church this size and hide. You can be in this church this size and mope around and say, well, God can't use me. Or or you can just be super lazy. You can be in a social club and not not be a Christian at all. But if you're a Christian, the call of God is still there in your life. He's calling you to be His witness. He's calling you to be His ambassador. He's calling you to be salt and to be light. He's calling you to be an influencer and a difference maker. He's calling you to have an impact, to make an impact. And it's not just just at a specific moment. No, it's all the time. The enemy is defeated. The enemy is defeated in Jesus' name. Satan is defeated in Jesus' name. Satan has no power over you. Satan has no authority over you. Satan has no power over you. Satan is a liar. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He has no authority over you. If you're a Christian, you're God's son. You're God's daughter. You are God's child and yes I know we mess up yes I know we make promises you don't even have to walk to an altar and make a promise you can sit there and you're in the quietness and the stillness of the moment you can be riding down the road you can be doing it at night you can be at school work play you can be wherever and say Lord I'm sorry I'll never do that again and do it and Satan comes and he says see there he can't use you you're a liar he can use you when his hand has not been taken off of you. When God calls you and makes you his own, there's no one can take you out of the Father's hand. Father God in heaven, I don't know where this room is right now. I don't know what they're doing or what their what their struggle is. I don't know what's God, I don't know. But Lord, I know you're not done with your children in this room. Lord, if there's someone here that is not a Christian. God, the call for salvation is there. But if there's someone who is a son or daughter of yours, and Lord, they're thinking for whatever the reason that God can't use me or I've messed up or I've gone too far, Lord, I pray that we hear what you did in Peter's life. You called him and said, hey, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And he saw you. And he witnessed the miracles, and he was even able to perform them himself. And then in the face of three young girls, he denied you, even 
even cursing and swearing and denying you. And instead of kicking him out, Lord, you fulfilled your purpose in his life. Lord, you ain't kicked a person in this room out. You're going to fulfill your purpose in their life. God, I pray that, that, that this room is listening. I pray that people are listening to this. The enemy is defeated. The enemy is defeated in Jesus' name. They have no authority. He is a liar. You're not done. You're not done with us. You're not done with any person here. You are not done with us. Your call in our life is still just as real and true and powerful as it was from the very first moment you made us your son or daughter. God, and we thank you for that. Bless this room. Bless this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want us to stand this morning. Again, I don't know where you are. But I know God's not done with you. I don't know what He's calling you to do or wanting you to do. But I can promise you this. God wants to use you.